Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. I had a fun conversation with a surprise guest, Tiffany Haddish. You may already know her as a comedian or award-winning actress who stars in a bunch of different TV shows and big films. She also wrote The Last Black Unicorn, which is a memoir about her life journey. Really fascinating set of discussions. I didn't even think I'd get a chance to talk to her. She's sheltering in place during the coronavirus pandemic. We got to talk about what she's doing to stay healthy and sane, uh, gardening, old school self-help, including some of the greats like Wayne Dyer, uh, learning to do the splits, which kind of made me jealous. Uh, Tiffany does it with humor, whole lot of sass. It's an interview you're really going to want to see. All right. Well, I, I don't even know where to get started. I mean, what's... Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think people would love to hear hear your story. Like how, what was it like when you were a kid? And I think a lot of people listening maybe wouldn't understand that. And then how did you, how did you become so successful? I mean, you're, you're a monster in your career right now. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a monster. I'd like to think of myself as a worker bee and I'm well, putting in the work. You're, you're more than a worker bee. You might be getting into that queen bee status. I mean, seriously. <laughs> okay. Princess bee. I'm a princess okay. bee. We, we can <laughs> that, but I mean, you're, you're in what multiple series Emmys. I mean, you've, you're, you're, you've made it in a big way. So I, I want to know what, what made that happen? And what was it like at the start? Uh, in the start, I mean, the start of my career, the start of my life, the start of my life was amazing. I barely remember most of it. And I remember <laughs> all of it pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it was cool. I was, you know, I got two brothers, two sisters. Um, my mom ended up with some brain damage and schizophrenia and, um, I was in foster care, moved around a lot, got to learn a lot about different people and how people live. Also learned how to, you know, maneuver and uh, fit in. And uh, But I was getting in a lot of trouble in school. Um, I talked too much. So <laughs> the social worker ended up coming up to the school because I was getting in trouble for talking so much. Uh, doing, I was just really trying to be, you know, I was trying to be fun and funny and make friends, but sometimes that's disruptive and bad behavior. So the social worker came up there. She got tired of coming up there. She was like, you know what? Um, you got two choices this summer. You can go to psychiatric therapy or you can go to the lab factory comedy camp. And I went <laughs> to the comedy camp and I learned communication skills and, and how to tell, you know, how to tell a joke, when to tell a joke, you know. And it was the first time that a man told me I was beautiful or smart or anything where I didn't feel like something bad was going to happen. I felt safe. How and, old were you when that happened? I was um, 15, about to be 16, or maybe I was, okay. no, I was 15, about to be 16. Right in the middle of being a teenager. Okay. Mm-hmm. When, you know, I, I was very impressionable. I was, I was definitely, I would like to think of myself as a semi-follower. <laughs> whatever the cool girls was doing, that's what I wanted to do. Okay. You know, not even realizing I was kind of a cool girl, too. Um, but in the process of everything, I fell in love with stand-up comedy, and I fell in love with performing. And really, the thing that makes me love both, like, performing and comedy the most is to see people smiling, to hear their laughter. Yeah. Like, there's something about hearing people laugh that just brings my vibration, my heart up, you know? And so... And I have this belief that, you know, if you laugh every day, you'll look young. You know, mm -hmm. and, the, and the more you laugh, I feel like the healthier you are. I mean, it's a good exercise, first of all. You got your organs working and everything. And so, yeah. and you just make more friends 
can make people laugh, I feel like. So, um, yeah, I got into the stand-up, and then I stopped doing stand-up for a while and started working at the airlines as a customer service agent, and I thought I was <laughs> the best at that. And um, I, I ended up getting depressed, and I ended up in psychiatric therapy. And the therapist was like, what makes you smile? What makes you happy? And I'm like, hearing people laugh makes me happy. And she was like, well, why don't you get back on stage? And so I started doing stand-up as a hobby. Wow. And I'm just like, I'm going to just try it out. And the first time I got on stage, somebody's like, hey, can you do this event for us? Man, it would be great if you could come through and uh, just just do like 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes. And I was like, I don't Sure, I guess. And it's like, it pays 50 bucks. I'm like, I'm there. I'm there, right? Yep. Get on stage. I bomb. It's the worst performance ever. Horrible. The audience is heckling me. It, it was like, a, it was a convention or it was like a, a party. It was a lot of lesbians there. I didn't even, this is my first time ever being at anything like that. I was like 22. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, and, these women like, I, and all my jokes were about boy, my boyfriend and this, you know, my man, this, my man. And they're like, I could be your man. Like, I could be your man. <laughs> oh man. So, and you were 22 and I, I'm, I don't know, did you grow up around a lot of like, no. So you're pretty much like, I've never met a lesbian that I know. No, I've met lesbians, but yeah. I had never been at something like that. Okay, yeah. Where it's like it part, of the, a, part of the group, yeah. I was, I, and I, was, I was wondering, it was a little strange why there was no men around. But, you know, I didn't think that meant <laughs> I didn't think that meant So, like, so make, making dick that? jokes <laughs> at a room full of women only probably is not the right call, whether they're lesbian or it not. It was all <laughs> dick jokes, too. I mean, dick this, dick that. You know, like, it was <laughs> stuff I think is hilarious. Right. Anyways, I bomb. I'm like, well, I'm depressed. I hit, I hit like rock bottom. And in that moment, like when I got off stage, I'm like, I don't, I don't think I can do this. I'll never. This is not for me. I don't even know why I even tried to do this. And you know, they come up to me and say, um, you know, you'll have a better show next time, and still paid me my fifty dollars. I was like, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. <laughs> okay. That was horrible, and they still paid me. I'm doing this forever. And it was 50 bucks. Okay. So. So that, and that was so literally it. That's how I got into stand-up comedy and performing okay. and doing the stand-up. You know, one of my friends that worked at the airlines, she was friends with an agent and she's like, I'm looking, I'm doing this thing, Big Back Comedy Show, and I'm looking for attractive female comedians. There's no attract, is there any attractive female comics out there? And my friend at the, that worked with me at the airport, she's like, I know somebody. Her name is Tiffany. She's pretty cute. And she does stand-up comedy. She's funny. She makes us laugh. And that's kind of how I got that lady called me. And, you know, she became my agent for like 10 years. She convinced wow. me I needed to take acting classes and convinced me that, you know, if you want to make it in stand-up, you're going to have to make it on TV so that you can put asses in the seats. Because if you can't put asses in the seats, then nobody's ever going to come see you and you'll never make money at stand-up. Mm-hmm. So then I started getting little jobs on TV shows and stuff. And mind you, I was doing background work too. And so I was developing relationships and building friendships and, you know, getting people to see my talent. And here I am today. A few really great breaks. You get one or two real good did, opportunities. Did someone, did someone like take you under, under their wing? Like, I'm, I'm finding the stuff that I'm doing in my career – there aren't that many people who do it at a certain level. And, and I don't know what I'm doing half the time. 
Um, you wouldn't guess that looking at me, but then I call someone who's like 30 years older than I am and I'm like, hey, what do I do? Uh, and I have a few of those. Did you find that people, you know, the, the old names in comedy or old names in TV, like were they helpful? Were they hostile? You know, did, did, you, did you have like a, a guardian angel somewhere who was helping you out? I feel like every, okay, so in every, like, comedians are very clickish and there's like multiple clicks. And I can go in pretty much into any click. I can meet anybody. And what I've learned throughout my career so far is always ask for help. Always ask for advice. Yeah. Even if it's not help, just advice for, from people that have been doing it longer because they might have a way where you don't have to bump your head as much. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, and I didn't learn that really until Kevin Hart helped me out in, with some money to get an apartment, right? Because I was homeless at wow. the time. And I didn't ask for the help. He gave it to me when he found yeah. out I was homeless. And it's like, get it together, make a list of goals, and start accomplishing those goals. And, I, and that's pretty much how I've been living my life ever since. That was like in 2000. Five, 2006. That was a long time ago. So it's a conversation. Okay. And that was from a conversation of me. Because I was kind of, I mean, before then I was pretty prideful. You know, I had a lot of pride. So I didn't want to tell people that I'm struggling or I didn't want to tell people I was homeless. I would, I would make sure my nails stayed done and my hair stayed done. <laughs> and I always looked nice. So they couldn't tell that. I don't have nowhere to sleep. I'm sleeping in a Geo Metro. Wow. <laughs> so... He figured it out, though. He noticed, like, a difference in my attitude and mood and stuff and, and, and had a conversation with me, and I just told him. And so ever since then, you know, I've been more open to asking my mentors or people that have been doing this for 20-plus more years than me, hey, can you tell me about, like, what would you do in this situation? Do you know anybody that works over at this place? Do you think, hey, do you, do you know any uh, good directors that can help me with this? Like, I'm always and they're asking helping questions. And they're helping. You know, people that have knowledge are flattered when you ask them their advice on something. They, they want to help. It's amazing, right? Yeah. You, you said comedians are kind of cliquish. Uh, do you have to be mean to be a comedian? No, I'm not mean. I mean, yeah. I can't get mean. I can't. You have to be able to have the ability to There you go. But right. You do not you do not have to be mean at all. I don't think you have to be a nasty person. Yeah. And when I say nasty, I mean an attitude or the way that you right. treat people. Now right. washing your ass, all that other stuff, that's on you. But as far as how um, you behave with others, you don't have to be rude or mean or say mean things. So, but some are. Some are oh, are just hurt. On. I think you have to have some kind of damage. Yeah, some trauma is usually there with uh, uh, with the average comedian. Um, I had uh, a, a, a guy who's nowhere near your level on uh, my friend JP, and we talked about that. And like, it actually it felt bad to go back to like kind of making fun of each other because I don't. I, I made it a point for the last decade to not say bad things about people, uh, and I'm usually pretty good at that. There's a few people who are super douchebags where I still make an exception, but other than that. And so when I tried to like do the comedy thing with him, I was like, oh, that, that kind of hurts my heart a little bit. Do you ever feel that? Like, like if you say something mean to a heckler, where you're like, I can't believe I just said that. No, no, <laughs> hecklers, they, they deserve me. I don't get mean with the heckler until okay. they say something mean to me. When right. shots are fired, yeah. I fire back. All right, the gloves come off. All right. 
and I don't think that's me. When they shoot, when they shoot shots at you now, just coming out of nowhere on somebody, yeah. that's me. I think, yeah. and, and, and I have had those moments in life. I mean, maybe once a month when my cycle comes on, I, I might pop, I might say something rude. <laughs> I might. And it's okay. not me. It's, it's my hormones. It's Got it. Yeah. It's the yeah. parasites in my intestines. It's, it's their fault. Yeah. They, they, they do what they're going to do. <laughs> now, let's talk about uh-huh. the pandemic. Uh, you're, you know, you're, you're at home. Uh, how yes, are you doing? I'm, I'm in my, this is my pandemic year. Nice. Well, you're, uh, you're looking all stylish as normal. <sighs> I, I look like I always do because I live in the middle of nowhere. So this is why I do the podcast. So not much. Really? Has but you look great. It looks like you're getting haircuts, like your barbershop is open or are you doing I, your own hair? I just woke up like this and I had like the CEO hawk. I, when I was going to Burning Man, I said, hey, I want to look like I have a mohawk, but I have to look like a CEO when I'm done. So they buzzed the sides. This is a true story. And I just kept it that way. So I can keep buzzing those until the top gets into a mullet and then I'm screwed. Uh, what, what's going on with, with food where you are? I, I know we have these food deserts in you know, parts of town. You can get more food. I mean, you're in the LA greater area, so certainly you can drive around, but um, lots of parts of the country, you, you normally shop at, you know, whatever's in your, in your neighborhood. What's going on where you are? So where I'm at, I'm in, South, I'm in the Crenshaw district, yep. um, which is South Central LA. And it is, I mean, I'm not having a hard time with food personally because I keep food in the freezer and um, I have a garden, so I can eat out of that every day. <laughs> uh, nice. But as far as the grocery store goes, I, like I went uh, like a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, and the, the grocery store on Crenshaw was closed. And um, then I was like, dang, why is the grocery store closed? And then on the neighborhood app thing I got, um, it's like a app for our hood. It was saying that uh, the grocery store was closed because someone was diagnosed with the virus there and they were cleaning the whole thing and then they would reopen it in like a day or so. And I was like, dang, that's messed up because I really wanted to get what I wanted to get. So I had to go right. like two miles the other way to the other store. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it's quiet around here. I'm not hearing as many helicopters as I'm normally hear in this area. Yeah. Um, it's, it's um, a lot of the fast food places are open. I noticed uh, when I was driving, they're, they're open to like seven, I guess, or eight. Um, so people are in drive-throughs. Um, I see that, and yeah, I'm concerned about. You know, personally, I'm just concerned about like how many people are passing away, and um, I hear ambulances, which lets me know that people picking up people Mm -hmm. and I hear those um probably twice a day and I you know I say a prayer when I hear that but um yeah I think people really need to focus on keeping that immune system up yeah I was thinking of saying only the strong survive and it seems like everybody's gonna get it we all uh, we all know when you look at the numbers obesity so I I weigh 300 pounds I don't know if if, if you know that or not I, I used to be really fat as as a younger person and yeah, you know, that is correlated with income. <laughs> like the the less money you have, the greater chance you have of being really fat, which also means diabetic. Almost 100% of the time, type 2 diabetic or you're about to be. And, you know, that's a big problem. Um, and statistically, it's a bigger problem if you're black. 
right? And and I'm I'm wondering if that death the death rate from coronavirus is is mostly economic, where you don't have access to good food, or it's some kind of a nutrient thing. And I've I've been thinking about that quite a bit. And I there's something that's not that's not right going on there. Um, and and so I've got some thoughts on it. Well, I got some thoughts on it too. I mean, yeah. I think it has a lot to do with the definitely these food deserts and yeah. and the way people eat is has a I think a huge effect on your health and uh, your right. immunity. But a lot of people, I, I know four people at this point that have passed away, and I think all of them either okay, two of them are older, someone's like my age, someone was younger, and and the way that I'm seeing it, like a, well, three of them already had issues with certain things. Yeah. Blood pressure issues, uh, diabetes, you know, uh, um, sickle cell. Uh, yeah. The younger one, you know, Una, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, you don't know why. Yeah. You know, you just not like, I'm just drinking my ginger and my turmeric every day and it's a good like, move. taking my vitamin C's and working yeah. out, making sure I'm using my lungs to push you know, clear out everything. But. Keep them strong, right? Now, yeah. do you know about vitamin D levels? Oh, yeah. Well, I hear about that all the time, too. Like, your vitamin D, if that's not yeah. right. And then, like, I guess for people of color, it's harder to absorb vitamin D from the sun, I guess. Or it, something. It's, uh, uh, so everybody changes sunlight into vitamin D. And it just takes more sunlight for you to do it than for me, because I'm, you know, I'm completely butt white, <laughs> at least my butt white. <laughs> and uh, um, so, if I go out in the sun for 20 minutes, I'm going to make some vitamin D. If you go out in the sun for an hour, you'll make the same amount of vitamin D, because you have survival genes to be in bright sunlight. And I basically, my people evolved somewhere in northern Europe where it's cloudy all the time. Mm-hmm. But the the difference, and this is something that's bothered me since I started the blog, um, it, is that when you don't have enough vitamin D, because you don't get as much sun, and by, you and me both spend about the same amount of time indoors, uh, which is too much for either one of us, but it's even worse. I don't know. I spend a lot of time in the backyard. Are you okay? I'm so you, you might actually beat I me. Little, I got a little, can you see my tan? I got a yeah. little tan. Okay. You, you, have, you, you, have a, you have a difference there. My no, vitamin you have a little bit levels of- is good. <laughs> Now, for me, I don't know. I'm I'm about the same color, and it's all white. <laughs> but uh, so that means I'm not tanning enough. We got to give vitamin D to moms, and it should be free. And we got to give vitamin yes. D to kids, and it should be free yes. at school. And that should just be part of how we do it because it's it's cheaper than a school lunch program to do it for a whole month. Like it is not. It, it's you know a couple bucks, right? And we get healthier right. kids, miss school less, healthier everybody. And I. I think it matters. And at the same time, is there vitamin D in certain foods? Is is there certain foods you can eat that have more vitamin D? Not really. Sometimes they 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 uh, will put it in milk. They'll they'll but they put the wrong form in in milk, so it doesn't really work. So what do it come down to? Milk is like my mortal enemy. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's ruinous for a lot of kids, especially ones like you and me, by the way, who had behavioral problems when we were young. Man, my my foul was big. I, I might have been in more than a few fights. I never threw a first punch, but I oftentimes threw the last one. And uh, same thing, you know, if I don't talk, I would I would literally pass out in class. The whole reason I have a career is because I'd be the guy in the meeting who would get so bored I'd have to talk or I'd fall asleep. So I would talk and then I'd get promoted. And like, it, that that really is true. And I have the neuroscience to prove it. So, but you give me milk, I'm 10 times worse than I was before. It, it, it's like a drug. Yeah. Um, 
So I would say put a few drops in kids' food. You know, you, you get a little dropper. It's going to be like 20 bucks. It'll last you for three months for kids. Mm-hmm. They can't taste it. It just goes in there. I take a little uh, vitamin D pill every morning. So. Good. And that's one of those things that, that's dirt cheap that's going to lower risk for all cause mortality, uh, including the virus. It's not going to cure the virus. Uh, but I think, yeah. you know, the, the, more, the more people can do that. I'm actually, I took, I'm taking, actually, I'm taking for my body weight, I'm about 200 and 206 pounds last night. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I take three pills because uh, I need a lot of vitamin D uh, because my body doesn't handle it very well. Uh, and you know, my kids are getting, you know, they're getting their one, but kind of an adult size pill. Cause you know, if any of us gets it, I want us to be the ones who are like, Oh yeah, I got a little sick last week. Not that I went to the hospital mm-hmm. last week. And like, that's the goal for everyone. And uh, I feel like, like sometimes the stuff to do, it's expensive, but vitamin D, vitamin C and zinc are really cheap. Um, so, you know, a gram of vitamin C a day, it's not going to cure the virus. It's not a shield to protect you. It just means you might have a little bit more you know, a little resistance. bit more. Yeah, resistance. That's the word for it. So you're resilient and you're doing your best with your diet. And I know that you're, you're also yeah, I've been running actor. every day. I want to really get to your place so I can get on that machine. Which, what's your favorite machine there at, at Upgrade Labs? The cheap machine. I was like, can I buy this? Can we get this at my place? <laughs> you know, after I, I will hook you up. Um, there, there's probably a way to get a small version of that at home that's going to tide you over. Oh. Um, all I right. would love that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a treadmill right now that I got off of uh, well, one of my friends, and I'm pretty sure it's from the late 1900s. <laughs> but it works. But it works. Yeah, treadmills are treadmills, right? At least you got something. But what else are you doing? Like you, you've learned to take care of your body, and, and you have, a, it sounds like a sensitive brain like I do. Like you give, you give either one of us milk. Uh, you know, the way you're describing your childhood, I, you know, the, they would have said I had Asperger's syndrome. They had oppositional defiant disorder. They just they just gave me detention, and then I would get in fights. Um, believe it or oh, not. So you didn't get a title because where I come from, you yeah. bad, you badass, you're a bad kid. You don't follow directions, you're bad. You I got that. I definitely got that. I had to deal with it all too. Do you think you mm-hmm. did that? do you have that voice in your head still that says like you're bad? That little one, like oh you failed and all that. Yeah, that you ain't never gonna be shit. Yeah. You're disrespectful, you're dumb, you're stupid. Like it's still be it's still play back there, but I have see, I feel I feel like if somebody went inside my brain, they would be like, How do you function? <laughs> okay. There's that childhood voice that comes up that's like, mm-hmm. You're not good enough, you're dumb, you're blah blah blah. Then it's like my teenage adult self, like, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. I got yeah. this. I know what I'm doing. And then there's the like adult me that's like, everybody be quiet. I'm going to fix this. <laughs> like, so, it is- all right. When I was 30, I found mm-hmm. someone who could look inside my brain. They, they put radioactive sugar in my arm and then they scanned my brain and they thought I was hitting them up to get Adderall so I could, I could do better in school and all that. And uh, after I walked into the psychiatrist's office, I walk in and he goes, he goes, Dave, I saw your brain. He's like, Inside your brain is total chaos. I don't know how you're standing here in front of me right now. You have the best camouflage of any human I've ever met. Direct quote from a psychiatrist. And then he gave me the drugs. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm with you, Tiffany. And now <laughs> like I, I started. Shut up, everybody. I got this. Well, I, I was like, I have to hack this. And, and that's part of the Upgrade Labs thing. Like the stuff you do there. To, to make your biology works better, calms the brain, makes it work better. And then I started 40 years of Zen. This is that neuroscience thing I do in Seattle. And I spent four months with electrodes trying to 
shut up that voice. I, I honestly feel like I finally got it there where I don't have that, you know, you're, you know, you're a failure, you're bad. You know, people are going to know that you're not worth it and all that stuff. Like that's actually, I think it's permanently gone. Maybe I'll rear its head again. Really? Well, it's, I need that because I'm a different person. I am constantly cussing that little voice out and telling that voice to be quiet or like speaking louder than the voice. And I always have to be like, prove it, prove it. You can't. Look, nice. Watch what I do now. Prove it. You can't. I got this. Look. <laughs> keep on outside of myself. And it's so funny to me because like, I think my mom, my mom definitely programmed that in there. Yeah. She not on purpose, but it there. happened. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely did it. And, it, and, and there's a part of me that's grateful because it, I feel like it's kept me humble to a certain extent. And I yeah. feel like it has, it's a, it's like hardened my shell to the point where like, okay, social media wasn't around when I was, you know, first starting out like in stand up, And now like it's boom, it's everywhere. Right. And you hear what everybody, you can read what everybody thinks about you and how they feel, how smart you are, how dumb you are, how you're a disgrace to the culture or you're, or she's a genius, like all these things. And some people say that, I remember reading one time somebody said, I hope she gets hit by an ice cream truck and it backs up over. And I was like, damn. Wow. If my mama hadn't already said some evil mean things to me, this would actually hurt my feelings. Yeah. So you, you got tougher, right? It prepared me. And so the voice goes off and I'm like, okay, I hear you, but no, not on right now. Well, maybe I'll give you five minutes in the shower. <laughs> and that's where I cry. <laughs> so how did you learn those coping skills? Did, did, did someone teach you that? Did you just like, just willpower? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. Cause that, that's kind of ninja level stuff. A lot of people, you get that voice in your head. You have the background you had. They, they don't, they don't learn how to rise above it. And you, you're doing something that's pretty unusual. Well, I'm an unusual character. That's why I'm the last black unicorn. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> You slide your memoir title right in there. I love that. <laughs> no, but uh, I don't, I think it's like a combination of watching a lot of TV on self-help stuff, reading okay. self-help books. And uh, I, lo I love me some Louise Hayes. I don't know why to just, it, yeah, I used Louise to watch Hayes her is, videos yeah. all the time okay. and read all her books. Like I, I was kind of sad when she passed because I really yeah. wanted to meet her. But um, for me, yeah, I think it's a culmination of a lot of different things and just figuring out what worked for me, using my discernment. Well, so you had the wisdom to go out and find those books. What are some of the other ones that, that had a really big impact on you? Um, big impact. You know what? Uh, uh, Asking It Is Received, that's by uh, what, Abraham Hicks. Yeah, Abraham Hicks, right. So you, you go old school in your personal development, probably weighing well, down. You got to remember, I'm from the 1900s. So um, I still <laughs> have a know. library card. I still have a library <laughs> card. And when I was coming up on all these books, this is when I was not the best reader. But I, I heard a NPR saying that um, if you listen to audio books uh, for two years straight, mm -hmm. that that's the equivalent of getting a, a bachelor's degree, right? It, it is. And, yeah, so I started getting, I said, okay, so I'm going to get some audiobooks that's like fantasy, sex stuff, romance, mm -hmm. and I'm going to get audiobooks that's like self-help, grow, you know, protect yourself, become, and how to be, like, uh, what's that, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yeah. Like, th those kind of books, or um, The um, uh, Weekend Millionaire, 
uh, that's not like I buy, I buy properties. I've been buying pro- every time I get some money, I'm like, let me buy some land. <laughs> let me get some. Wow. Like, so, cause in 15 years, if I buy one piece of property every year for 15 years, I'll be a multimillionaire regardless of what happens with my career. You know? That's true. I mean, you're saying, you know, you're the, the, the last, the last black unicorn and still, I, I know few people from, um, even a wealthier childhood um, who have the level of, of resilience that you've shown to do that, like to go out and do that level of, of inner work uh, and then to actually take action and to do it. And you're doing it financially, you're doing it in your career, you take advice from people, even though you probably, the way you grew up, um, you probably didn't learn to take advice from people. Um, you, you learn to fear because I mean, you get yelled you learn at to not, yeah, fear people. You, I learned yeah. to fear and do not trust people. Everyone yeah. is full of crap. Everyone wants to hurt you, rape you, steal from you. Yeah. They want to do something to you. Like that's, that's also always running in the back of my mind. That's why it's like when I decide to trust somebody, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. And even though everyone's like, you're so sweet, you're so nice. I, I'm nice to a certain extent. You know, and sometimes maybe I'm too nice. Maybe because once I decide to trust you, then I trust you. Right. And then right. when you betray me, then mm-hmm. I got to pray for you. Even that's like a real advanced skill. And that, that's, you know, forgiveness and compassion, you know, turn the other cheek kind of stuff. That's, that's not, it's you're not what you learned growing up. So you, you're, you're an unusual yeah. spirit. Well, what I, what I have learned though, is uh, especially in my twenties, I learned that like you have to learn how to forgive. You do not ever forget, but you have to learn how to forgive because yeah. If you hold on to that, it's always it's always hurting you. It's always making yeah. you sick. You'll be mm-hmm. the one with the period that lasts for two months because you <laughs> uh, messed up inside because you're not sleeping and eating right because you stressed out because you really want to get revenge or you feel so upset. Like instead of just letting it go, let go, let God. Like once I learned how to do that, my health, every everything elevated when I learned how to do that. That don't mean I forgot though. Yeah. It, it's a that that nuance is a big difference. You know, seeking revenge all the time is so expensive, and, and maintaining hate. But if you forget what what you know bad people did, um, then you're kind of a sucker, right? Right, right. So don't forget. It, it, but yeah, forgive. I mean, I met, I used to meditate on how to get revenge on people. Like I, I try not to do it so much anymore. Sometimes it comes up. It comes up. Yeah. I'm, I'm on Amazon like, oh, they sell crickets. I can let crickets loose in their car and put lettuce under the seats. And that right there, that's, that way you won't go to jail. Like, I'm like, how can I get revenge without going to jail? I'm going to not piss you off. That's what I'm deciding. I, I, I don't want to go to jail. I don't want crickets. Don't piss me off because I'm going to pray for you. Pray for you. <laughs> you've learned how to meditate. You've learned how to forgive. Um, do you feel like you've learned how to you know, manage the, the intense life? I mean, you travel a lot. When, when you're both in a show or if you're doing comedy, uh, have, have you managed your, your biology? Like, do you know how to, you go to a hotel and you like make sure you go eat the right foods and like you have, do you have a, a whole entourage with you who's bringing you salads and stuff? Like, how, how do you pull it off really? Um, yeah, so really, yeah, I make sure there is a salad for me when I get wherever I'm going or fresh fruit. Like okay. that, that's like mandatory. Um, there's either salad or fresh fruit and then, um, be, and I need like a lot of water. I drink like a gallon of water a day. And so like when I get to the hotel room, there better be three large bottles of water there for me, preferably mm-hmm. alkaline or at least spring water. And I kill that water, all that water. And then I drink vodka. <laughs> that, that's really <laughs> the, the cure for everything. 
Then I go to bed. I make sure I get my rest. And it, at first, it was really hard on me. I was getting sick a lot and yeah. like crying a lot because it was a lot. It's like all these different things from people. Like, ah, can I absorb this information? Like, it was a lot. And then I just had to learn how to say, okay, no, I'm not doing that. Or um, I need the show's going to be an hour late because I need another hour of sleep. Like, I mean, it, it really, really realizing how important it is for me to sleep. This, this pandemic, mm-hmm. I've never been so rested in my life. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting tons of sleep. You're meditating every day. You don't have to drive anywhere. I haven't felt this. I haven't felt like this good since I was probably like 19. Wow. You know, where I'm just like, hey, and not feeling like a well, no, I was, it was a lot of fear when I was 19. I, like, I'm so happy with this 40-year-old me because it's not as much fear that's like, you know, I'm not worrying about a lot of things. There's certain things I do have concerns about, but I've learned how not to be a worry ward. You know, like okay. let this one thing dominate my whole entire day. Like, yeah. Or let this one thing dominate every conversation. I can't stand when people had a Mm. When you be around certain people and they have a conversation with one person, then you hear them have a conversation with another, and they keep talking about the same thing over and over and over all day, and then they wonder why they they so fucked up. It's because you keep talking about that same fucked up thing all damn day. New person, new conversation, new subject. Yep, that's how I feel. I I do know the type you're talking about, and uh, yeah, (laughs) you're telling the same victim story to every person you meet. It's not going to work so well. They're professional victims. I got. I had a few friends like that, and I and I miss them terribly. But I had to let them go. You know, I, yeah. I, I I'd rather be a professional, resilient person, a, a professional overcomer of things. Uh, I'd rather be telling how I achieved something as opposed yeah. to how I'm constantly being tore down. Yeah, because like, then you'll constantly be torn down. I mean, it, it'd be easy for you to tell that story to yourself. I, I mean, given what you've what you've shared. And you don't. I mean, I, I can tell you don't, which is which is really impressive. I don't allow it. I don't allow yeah. it. Well, you've got some discipline that that some self discipline there that that is that's remarkable because you see a lot of people in the act one way on stage, but if you you talk to someone for an hour like this back and forth, you can you can tell the people who are like, I'm putting on the act I'm supposed to put on, and inside, I'm angry at the world and I'm getting killed. You don't have that vibe at all. So, yeah, or if you, if angry, you're I'm really angry. good at hiding I'm, it. I'm not good at hiding shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at hiding shit. <laughs> I'm the worst at hiding. So, yeah. And now, if, if you could tell someone who hears this interview, like what you think they could do to build that same ability, what would you what would you tell them? Okay. So I think the first thing they should do is okay. If they got that crazy talk going on in their head, this I learned from Louise Hayes, and okay. I think it really helped me so much. Um, and I learned it when I was like, what, 31, 32? And it really took like maybe, it took probably about four or five months for things to really change. But, um, and then the more that I did it, the more drastic my life changed. Um, but um, you're supposed to look at yourself in the eyes in the mirror, right? You just okay. look at the black part of your eye or um, the pupil of your eye. Yeah. And you look at yourself and you say your first, last name or your full complete name and say, I love and approve of you. So I'll be in a mirror like Tiffany, Sarah, Cornelia, Haddish. I love and approve of you. Tiffany, Sarah, Cornelia, Haddish. I love and approve of you. You do that for five minutes. You're supposed to do it every day. The first time I did it, I couldn't even, I couldn't even last a minute 
like really like 30 seconds without crying because I really wow. didn't feel that way about myself. And, you know, and it's like you're, the words that you say are like magic and it programs all the cells in your body and mm-hmm. your whole like energy field to be that way. So when you start programming, whatever you program, whatever comes out your mouth constantly, that's what it's going to be, right? So if I constantly say I love and approve of myself, then I'll be able to protect myself better. And the energy that I'll be putting out, the the suit of armor that I have on when I go into the world is, oh, we have, she needs to be loved and approved of. That's someone Mm -hmm. that we love and approve of. And then that's what, and then that bounces that goes to somebody else they start feeling the same way when i come into the room they feel in love and approved too like it's contagious it spreads yeah it's viral (laughs) 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 you know at the end of my comedy shows i always try to i curse the audience with all the success joy love and happiness that they can handle and I, I, I tell them I hope that they become infected with happiness, so infected with joy, happiness, and love and success that it becomes contagious. And when you sneeze, you sneeze joy. And when you shit, you shit success. I curse you with that. What does the audience say when you do yeah, they, they must just be loving it, right? They are like, at first I say, well, I curse you. They're like, oh. <laughs> and I say, well, happiness and joy and love. They're like, ah. Oh. They're like, yes. <laughs> The older ladies always jump up and be like, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It's always fun. The energy level is high and fun. That's a beautiful thing to do. Yeah. So I would say to someone to program themselves, to have love and compassion for themselves is the first, I think the first step to getting anything changed in your life for the positive. It, it really, okay. not, and I'm not saying being a lover of self. I'm saying like, care about you so that you can care about others because if you're not taken care of you can't do anything for anybody else okay Uh, who are you in quarantine with right now i'm in quarantine with my justin i'm at my house (laughs) okay my brother justin yeah with your brother justin so so you you got some company you're not you're not dealing with that you're being alone for a month or two like some people i mean it's almost can feel like solitary confinement you know if, if you're if you're literally in your home or if you just move somewhere and, and there's people that are like, oh my God, I don't really know anyone in this neighborhood and I'm just, you know, by myself and maybe I don't even have a, I don't even have a job. You know, I, I thought I had a job, but it just went away. Um, but what, what advice would you have for someone in, in a situation like that? I would say to someone like that, I would say, write down as many of your thoughts as you possibly can. Challenge yourself, like try to learn something new that you or try something you never done before. Like I'm trying to learn how to do the splits. I've been working on doing the splits every day. You know, I, I'm only down five, five inches off the ground. I right? a little bit more every day. Are they, the front, front to back or the side to side? The uh, side to side. Holy cow. That's always been like my, my ultimate fantasy. I, I, I mean, I can put my ankles behind my head. I, I got some pretty good yoga moves, but the, the side to side splits, that's just, I, I don't think that's in my, I don't think that's in my, my life this time you around. You can do it. You right. can do the side splits. I have been watching YouTube videos, okay? Mm-hmm. And if you practice every day for just 20 minutes, you will get lower and lower and you will become limber. And you I know I take, limber. I'm limber, but man, that one angle, I, I take my collagen every day, obviously. Um, I take your collagen too and I love it. Look at my oh, skin. Thank mm. you. So how much do you work out per day? Um, Probably, I would say about, how about three, 
to four times, but no more than, I mean, the most time that I'll spend working out is 20 minutes. Okay. So you do a few bursty things and you're, you're good yes. to go. Yeah. Like jump, try to jump rope. I got the jump rope from Groupine yesterday. So did that for 10 minutes. Oh, that'll I'm, work. Yeah. And they got Are the you, counter on there. So I'm like, yeah. You want to try something? Good. I think that's good. You know, it is. Uh, do some five minutes standing ab stuff, you know. Okay. Um, and then I'll get on that treadmill and do like hit, like run real fast for one minute, then uh, the for 30 yeah. seconds, and then jog for like a walk for one minute, and like do that for up to 20 minutes, and that's it. But when this whole thing is over, I'm full on running on the track and field because I want to compete in the track and field competition. I want to do that. Really? Like sprinting? Yes, like hurdles. I want to do hurdles. Wow. I used to do it in high school. Okay, so you know how. Yes. Oh, yes, I know how. And I saw online that people are competing in track and field events all the way till they're 90. Yeah, you can and do they that. they have different divisions. So I'm like, I can do that. I can do 40 to 50 group. I can do that. Oh, yeah, you totally could. Why not? Yeah. All right. Have you ever tried a weighted jump rope? No. Oh, my God, it's horrible. I, I have one that weighs one pound. You think when, but I, the... The weights in the arms and the, the rope itself is a little bit heavier. So the, the swinging, it's like 10 times harder than it's supposed to be. And the more you do it, it I couldn't do 10 minutes of that to save my life. Like it, it is it's torture. You should get one. And it's only one pound? It's like one or two pounds. It, it's not that much, but because you're rotating it so much, like the motion to do it is is way more work than you'd ever imagine. And you just, you're exhausted in, in hey, no time at all. That Michelle Obama arm, like, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll get those like big old ripped, you know, huge steps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dang, you're already pretty ripped. Okay, you're doing something, right? Yeah, yeah. I, oh, ooh, when I watch like uh, Hulu and it's like a show that I'm watching that has commercials. Yep. I do planks for the commercials. Oh, that's smart. Couch potato workout. Do All some, right. Uh, squats off the side of the couch like this right here. Okay, that works. Yeah, with the arms. And I, I swear, it's just like you said, you don't have to go to the gym and do all this stuff, although you do go, you know, you go to Upgrade Labs and you do the, the fancy stuff. I do stuff, go to Upgrade Labs. Right? But you I don't have to do that. That's the point. You guys have that infrared vibrating machine. What is yeah. that called? The Bulletproof Vibe. Yeah. Infrared Vibe. So I was like, I'm going to try to get me one of those too. Oh, Bulletproof sells the Vibe platform. We'll, we'll get you one. They're not, you know, they're, I don't know. they're within reason. Like I, went on a, I went on Groupon. They had this machine that vibrates that you can yeah. stand on and like work on. So I got that, and then I had got a portable sauna that, yeah, that works. Uh, from like Amazon for like a hundred bucks. So then I pulled the panels out, and I stand on the thing, and I'll be vibrating. Smart. <laughs> just if like, if the if it does this when it vibrates, it's gonna mess up your spine. If it does this just up and down, it's gonna be okay. But what the ones that do this are the cheaper ones. Those are seriously bad for your really. Yeah. Uh, well, then I'll just sit on it. I'll just if, sit yeah, on you'll it. be fine if you sit. Uh, I was always getting put out of health class. Because I was always asking the most inappropriate questions, and my mom had taught me. You know, my mom, my mom was so scandalous. She, um, we was watching a soap opera, right? And I talk about this on stage too, but it's a true story. I was watching a soap opera, and the man and woman was in bed. I said, "Mama, what are they doing?" She said, "That's what you do to make a baby." I said, "Well, I'm gonna do that one day. I'm gonna get in bed. I'm gonna do that one day." She said, "No, you're not. Not till after you turn 21, because <laughs> see, men have these enzymes in their mouth. If you let them kiss you." It will eat your face up and your tongue will fall out and you will die in 24 hours. I said, really, mama? She said, yeah, don't be kissing no boys till you get your shot. You got to get a vaccination. 
And then I was like, oh, okay. And she said, and boys are always going to try to put their pee-pee. They're going to try to show you their pee-pee. And you don't want to touch their pee-pee because it's something that shoots out like snot. And that, they're going to try to put it in your baby carriage and it'll eat up your baby carriage and your legs will fall off and you'll die a slow, painful death over three days. She told so you all this? Let, yes. And how old were you when she said that? I was like eight, seven and a half. <laughs> Eight, okay. Oh my God. I was like, who I never, I never, I never. Right. So then I go to school the next day. My friend Amber is out there making out. She kissing a boy. I'm like, oh no, Amber, no, no. I'm like, get away from her. Oh my God. You're gonna die. You're gonna die. She's like, what? You're silly. You're stupid. Like, what are you talking about? Stop playing. Stop that, stop, right? And I'm just like crying and everything. I was like, you're going to die. I love you so much. I'm going to miss you. <laughs> I get home. I'm crying. I'm telling my mama what happened. And my mama's just shaking her head. She just, I'm telling all the stuff that happened to Amber. And she goes, honey, you don't got nothing to worry about. See, her, her family knew she was going to be a hoe. They got the vaccine shot for her early. Okay. <laughs> no, she, she, she continued. They knew she was going to be getting a sperm disease early. So they got her vaccines out. So you don't have nothing to worry about with her. You just don't do what she's doing because I didn't get you vaccinated for the sperm disease. Wow. So you didn't get vaccinated for it. <laughs> so cut to me in like seventh grade health class. Teacher, Mr. Herrera, okay, is talking about all the different STDs. It's like STD week, right? So he's going over everything. And I'm sitting there, I'm just like, oh, he's not going to try to say, he's not trying to save nobody. Like, mind you, from the time I was eight till I was about 12 and a half, 13 years old now, I'm thinking it's a lot of hoes out here. It's a lot of females out here that's been getting vaccinated. Okay? Yeah. Okay? So, <laughs> I'm waiting, I'm waiting. The last day, he goes, and that's it for STDs. And I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm, Mr. Herrera, Mr. Herrera. <laughs> You didn't talk about the most important one. He was like, which one, Tiffany? I was like, the sperm disease. He was like, what is the sperm disease? So I commenced to saying everything my mama told me. Every, it was, the classroom was quiet. By the time I got to the end, by the time I finished, she goes, is that it, Miss Haddish? I said, yep, that's it, the sperm disease. He goes, well, I think you need to have another conversation with your mother. And the whole class was <laughs> laughing and stuff. And he's like, but you could get mono. You could get this. I don't think there's a such thing as a sperm disease. I was like, there is a sperm disease. He was like, show me that in the encyclopedia. <laughs> I guess your, your mom did get, you know, a good probably four or five years of really good behavior out of you for that. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, all the way from I was like 16 and a half, I was super scared to kiss anybody because even though now I know what the truth is, or like the teachers explained it to me, it's still my mama voice in the back of my mind. Right. That boy kiss you, that's it. You gonna die. Is it still a problem? I, I mean, what, what's your no, dating life look like? It ain't a problem. It ain't no problem no more. I'm like, uh. <laughs> 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 oh, you cute. Want to kiss? <laughs> but do, you, do you think you're going to settle down with a guy? Like, what's your, what's your relationship status look like? Um, my relationship status is good right now. You know, I'm out here. I'm mingling. In mingling. Social, I'm mingling social distancing. M mingling and tingling. Well, definitely tingling. Now, um, did you do cryotherapy when you were going to upgrade labs? Yes, and I love it. 
I love it. I started going because I tore my meniscus. Oh, that helps. I tore mine too when I was in my, my mid-20s. I had a couple surgeries on it. And are you recovered? Mm, I didn't have any surgeries. They wanted to do a surgery because they said it was flipped and stripped. And I was like, no, what did they do in Bible right. times? And they said, well, in Bible times, you took anti-inflammatories and you prayed. I said, well, that's what I'll do. And then I started doing my research. And um, one of my girlfriends told me about you guys. And that y'all had the cryotherapy because I couldn't find that in South Central. There's no, yeah. none over here. So I went over there to Santa Monica. And I was going like, I feel like I, I think I was going like twice a week going and getting in there and then i was doing physical therapy and then the guy talked me into getting on the cheat machine and i was like i don't know this might hurt me and my leg felt much better i was like oh yeah i want to do this every week and then like whenever i would be in town i would go because i was always going out of town so yeah i love that machine now so that was like july when i first started going there now your sauna triggers some of the same things in the body. They're called heat shock proteins. And it's funny, mm-hmm. but cryotherapy and heat can both affect similar pathways. So it's, it's good to do both. But if you're doing an occasional cold shower and you're jumping in your sauna sometime vibrating, you're, you're, getting, you're getting the, the easy version of it you can do at home. So you're staying strong, which is, I like, I like seeing that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm fitting my clothes better because I've been eating out my garden so I'm not necessarily, I don't think I'm losing actual weight, but I think it's like more muscleless forming or whatever. Yeah. I noticed my booty lifting up a little more things is uh, happening around here. More rest and stuff. And me getting out the garden and everything. Okay. I'm like, when I come out of this and I'm doing the splits, hey, hey all right, you got next thing lift. you know, I'm a superhero. Next yeah. thing you know, Tiffany Haddish. Black yeah. female superhero. Female superhero, you're going to have butt lift, splits, Michelle Obama arms, and you're good mm-hmm. to go. All right, I, I like that. The, and the legs of flow, Joe. I want the legs of flow. Joe. Oh, there you go. Those are some legs. You know, I tried to get all my DNA stuff done. Yeah. Some of my testing. They said there was an issue because I got rolling veins. So oh, they were yeah. having a hard time getting in my veins. And I was like, I need your oldest nurse. Dad. <laughs> this lady came over. I think her name was Robin. <laughs> she was like, I got this. And so she finally got it. But the she younger there. nurse there, she was having a hard time. Yeah, I got those same, got those same veins that just, I don't know, I must be a little dehydrated right now. I don't know why, but uh, normally I have these giant ropey veins that are just, you know, they, they look at those and they're like, oh, those are going to be so easy. And you're like, no, those are tough veins. You're going to have to get into that thing. So I, I, I feel you there. Yeah, my veins roll and run and they never show up. This is the only vein that, that you could actually see probably on my whole body. Oh, wow. And that's it. Not even in the back of my hand, like. Yeah. For well, a minute, I thought I wasn't human. You know, you might only be part human. I, that could be the option. I'm pretty sure I'm part alien. So, you know, it doesn't have to be an either or. I'm, not, I'm part unicorn. I had a horn growing out my forehead uh, all the elementary school until like, yeah, till seventh grade. Kind of like Hellboy. Did you have to grind it off and all that? <laughs> <laughs> I'd have had a no. conflict if that was me. <laughs> no. No. It was like a it was like a horn like literally growing right out the middle of my forehead. And kids used to call me dirty ass unicorn. They'd be like, You a dirty unicorn. Look at you. You got flat because I had a mole right here on my chin. Uh-huh. This mole on my nose. This one right here. And then I had this this thing growing at my forehead. And I used to cut it with scissors and it would bleed down and then they wouldn't talk about me for like a week. But it would grow right back. Like really? so fast. Yeah. And then 
when um geez, when my grandma my grandma had took us for like my grandma had got custody she didn't have custody but she had us for the day or, mm-hmm. or for the week or something and she took me to the doctor and the doctor's like oh you have a wart on your forehead and my grandma's like you're nasty you're disgusting you're nasty he's like we could freeze it off and um my grandma's like i'll take care of this so we went home she got that liquid nitrogen she froze it off my forehead oh, and it wow. never grew back i was like oh my god grandma you took away my unicorn horn and i was glad <laughs> I was glad because it was like I would wear bangs and it would part the bangs. Oh, like, wow. This is a big old thing. It was big growing up my forehead like a unicorn. That's like so the kids used to call me dirty unicorn all the time. And and it used to hurt my feelings. And then I started to decide, like, no, I'm going to take that. I'm going to use it. I'm going to I'm going to make a living off of you're trying to make fun of me. <laughs> hey, you and, did. You uh, own that. It's the title of your book. That's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> Tiffany, it, it's been super fun interviewing you and, uh, uh, and I appreciate you taking some time to chat. No, thank you. I'll enjoy you. Thank you for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. Tiffany is starring in the Netflix miniseries Self Made and the TBS comedy The Last OG. You can see all the things she's up to at tiffanyhaddish.com. I would be personally grateful if you would take just a minute to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Just go to daveasprey.com and you can check out the blog, other podcasts, transcripts, and get connected with the new YouTube channel. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.